Before we begin, just a heads up that today's episode has some strong language, so if you're listening with a child present or you're at work, fair warning. Welcome to Anxiety and the Artist, the podcast that explores artist's relationship with anxiety, offering insight and inspiration. I'm your host, Allison Sheff. My guest today is Stephanie Kurtzuba. Stephanie is an actor and producer with a career that spans film, television, and stage. She is best known for her work in two Academy Award-nominated Martin Scorsese films, playing opposite Robert De Niro in The Irishman and as Kimmy Belzer in The Wolf of Wall Street. In television, she has made numerous guest star appearances. On stage, Stephanie has appeared in the original casts of Billy Elliot, Mary Poppins, and The Boy from Oz. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello. Hello. So uh, let's just start at the beginning. Um, Tell me a little bit about your background as an artist and your relationship with anxiety. Oh, it's such a lovely long-term relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, let me think. Uh, So I I started my artistic career. Well, I think I started it like most people do uh, as a child you know, with dance class and theater classes and a general love for um, performance, uh, all things performance, singing, dancing, acting. Um, I'm fortunate to grow up in a family that was encouraging and supportive. Uh, I don't necessarily know that they thought it would be a life choice for me when (laughs) they were so supportive, but nevertheless they were. Um, and to be fair, they've been supportive as, as a career choice as well. Um, I'm sure with just a bit more reticence than when I was a child. Um, well, good on that. Good on them for that. Cause I, that's yeah, not something that a lot of people can say. So true, thanks mom true. and dad. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. Hashtag grateful. Um, but, uh, in regards to my relationship with, uh, anxiety, I, I mean, I feel again, um, I'm, I'm, probably like so very many, uh, artists, people really for that matter. Um, as, as an actor, um, I feel like anxiety is just a de rigueur. It's a, it sort of comes with the job description, um, Mm -hmm. by the very nature of, of what we do, whether it be, uh, auditioning or, um, you know, waiting to see <laughs> if our, if our part ends up in the final cut. Um, there's just, it's, it's fraught with, uh, multiple levels of anxiety. So I feel like it's been, um, in my life, uh, specifically my professional life for, well, probably the whole, <laughs> probably the entirety of my career. Um, okay. of course, I think it's hard to separate, the artist's life from the person's life, um, particularly in what we do, it sort of feels like they are intertwined deeply. Um, so therefore, you know, anxiety exists in my day to day. I mean, I don't know about you because it's a really peaceful time in the world to be living. (laughs) I (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about you, but I I felt uh, wake up and read the news and I'm like, Oh, life is so, the world is so good right now. I know. Don't you just want to like kind of breathe it all in. Everybody's (laughs) just giving a big collective peaceful hug and (laughs) everyone seems so happy. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. So 
I think it's really easy for someone to look at all of your accomplishments because you have done so much. For those of y'all that don't know, Stephanie is the one in Wolf of Wall Street that's like, I fucking love you, Jordan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's how everybody knows it, too. Yes. Everyone, I'll be like, so the girl in the suit, the girl in the, and everyone's like, oh, you're, I fucking love you, Jordan. I'm like, yes, that's, yes. that is me. <laughs> So I feel like somebody could look at your your career and go, oh my God, she's got it made. She works all the time. I'm so jealous. Um, hmm. What would you say to those people? I'd be like, oh, girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all, I would say, thank you. I love the way you see me. Um, that makes me feel so much more successful. Um, no, but in, in all sincerity, um, I, I, and I, and I, I can speak to this um, from being on the other side of it, meaning uh, I often look at all of the people around me and go, oh, my gosh, look at what they've done. Wow, I'll never reach that level or I wish I were at that level or I don't think I will ever get those opportunities to be at that level. So um, that's the that's what I find so ironic about your your query, because it's um, it's a feeling that I have all the time. Right. Uh, but the truth is, and this is, I don't think, revelatory to anyone. Um, the You know, there's always uh, a feeling of I need to go further. I need to push harder. I'm not where I want to be. Uh, that is omnipresent mm -hmm. in my in my professional life. Right. Um, so do you think that's healthy? Or do you, like, do you think that's something that keeps us going as artists and keeps us moving forward? Or is it, yeah, is it like it the whole comparison be. thing where we're just comparing ourselves and nothing is ever right. enough? Yeah. I mean, right. There's the rub. It's um, because I do think it can be a very motivating, very positive driving force mm -hmm. to, um, to look at other people and go, wow, look what they did. I could do it too. Or I'm inspired to try. Um, but it can also lead to the despairing of, uh, look, look what everyone else has, uh, and I don't have, um, and this is a constant, that balance is a constant renegotiation for me. I feel, yeah. um, I, I feel lucky enough to have an awareness at this point in my life that the, um, wanting mindset or covetous mindset is a, uh, one way street to, you know, Bummersville. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I also, I also, you know, old enough and experienced enough to know that the sort of permanently, I'm just so grateful all the time mindset is unrealistic. Right. Uh, to maintain, uh, you know, <laughs> forever right. and ever. Amen. Um, I think that it can be, um, again, a, a difficult balance, but a worthy pursuit to try and balance that, um, wanting more mm -hmm. and being satisfied with what you have. Right. Uh, is there anything, is, do you have any, any sort of a gratitude practice or anything that you do to sort of keep that in check? I, d I don't have any sort of regular practice, but I will be honest with you. I have a lot of talks with myself in the mirror. <laughs> 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 uh, and I'm not even joking. I do. There are um, times when I feel this actually happened. This happened to me very, very recently. Um, and ironically, it was uh, 
it wasn't for something that I wanted. It was for something that I, someone that I love wanted something that didn't, it didn't come through. And uh, I was having a really hard time managing, uh, my feelings, uh, because I was bearing witness to their disappointment, which was making me deeply uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Ironically, I realized this is what my husband has <laughs> to watch me go through, <laughs> like literally all the time. Um, but it was interesting. And I had to sort of uh, go have a talk with myself in the mirror mm-hmm. and remind myself of that um, that desirous and, and wanting sort of perspective can take you to... Uh, a sort of bitter, nasty place where I don't really like the person I am. So I tried to, honestly, I look at myself in the mirror to remember who I am hmm. and have a little heart to heart with myself. That makes me sound nuts. No, it doesn't. I just realized saying it It does it out not loud. make you sound nuts at all. That sounds very real and truthful. Oh, good. I hope because <laughs> someone is listening to this and goes, you know, that's the first sign of some sort of deep <laughs> mental crisis. I would appreciate the heads up. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't see how that's any different from like reciting a mantra in the mirror or having post-its taped to your mirror that, you know, where you remind yourself of, of certain things, you know, while right. saying them to yourself. You know, I think yeah. it would be bad if you were looking at yourself in the mirror and saying really negative things to yourself. I think that might be the sign of some, some. Yeah. <laughs> Ag- mental agreed. Breakdown. I mean, <laughs> I tend to keep that voice more internal, um, right. to be honest, but I'm, I, I'm working on her too. That, uh, that self-talk girl. Right. Yeah. She's <laughs> that's a lifelong, uh, project. Con- yeah. I was going to say that really is continuing education series. Yes. For me. <laughs> so have you ever had an experience in the industry that left you feeling like you weren't enough as an artist? <laughs> um, yes. You know, like, you um, know, oh, I'm not pretty enough or, oh, I'm not, I can't oh, tap well Allison. enough or, <laughs> or all of those um, things that we tell ourselves that we are not enough for. Yes, okay. certainly. I, certainly I have your, I don't mean to laugh. I make too light of this. Um, uh, yes, it's a, it's a perfectly legitimate question. And the answer is absolutely on the regular. Um, and in fact, I think the one thing I can say about, um, the benefit of <laughs> being an aging person, as we all are, but specifically an aging female person in the industry that I am in. Um, the good news is uh, the advantage of being older and having these experiences over the course of many, many years is that that feeling of not being enough um, is getting is getting less and less. Okay. Um, and I and I think it is not just because of my, um, continuing experience and, you know, coming up against all kinds of different situations as the years go on. But I think Mm -hmm. it also has to do with, um, a deeper understanding of the industry, Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, understanding that there are so many things beyond my control that aren't, I can't control the way I look, or I can't control the, my height, or I can't control my, you know, my hair color at any given moment without right. knowing what they want. Um, but, but uh, starting to understand, oh, 
there are multitudes of people involved in in decisions, and uh, it doesn't necessarily have to do with my body or my face or my particular, you know, messing up that one tap step at the audition. It's like, you know, there's certainly those things can come into play, but as I'm getting older, I'm also realizing, yeah, there's a billion other things that I am unable to control that um, have nothing to do with my, uh, what I perceive as my shortcomings. Right. So what would you, what advice would you have for somebody younger than yourself, someone not as mature and wise as you, um, <laughs> <laughs> who's maybe struggling with this? Um, what what would advice would you have for them? I think, you know, and again, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised to hear me say this uh, because I think people said this to me during my university years and I, and I heard it, but I didn't really hear it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is what I would say. I think um, the only thing that you uh, really have that is completely and totally unique in the world is you. Um, and if you can simply spend your time diving deeper into who you are, how you do something, how you approach it, and I don't mean cultivate, cultivating a persona or anything false. I'm talking about mm-hmm. the opposite, which is stripping layers and layers and layers away to getting to the most authentic version of who you are and how you see the world. Um, and therefore, it will inform every song that you sing, every step that you uh, take, every monologue that you, you know, every scene you do, every character you take on will be filtered through the authenticity of you. Um, And when you are creating from that space of being totally true to yourself and who you are, you um, not only are interesting and unique, but you are also accepting this is what I look like. This is how I move. This is how I sound. If this is not um, a fit for your show or your project, then I'm just going to keep going until I am the fit. Um, I I spend a lot of time, especially, um, you know, in my early 20s coming into the New York theater scene, trying to second guess what it was that people were looking for mm-hmm. uh, from my outfit to my, you know, 16 bar audition cut right. to, you know, and, um, I think I started to figure out pretty, pretty soon. Why does that one song always get me called back? You know, what is it about that song? And it, and it kind of dawned on me. I was like, it's not the one that I sing the best. It's not the one with the most exciting notes. It was the one that I just, um, I think showed me as my truest self, mm-hmm. Stephanie. And I think that people responded to that. They're like, oh, this is interesting. She's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be, you know, that's been part of my journey. And that might be the advice, the convoluted advice I could offer That's fantastic. to someone yeah. to share, you know, hopefully shave off a few years of frustration. Right. <laughs> 
Um, so you also, uh, we have all come to accept that self-producing is a thing now. Um, and a couple years ago you created a production company and I, I love this about you because you've, you've had some pretty great success with it. Um, can you just talk a little bit about that and sort of what led you to do that? Mm, Yeah. That's such a good, such a good question. You know, uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you that, that the impulse to, to start my own thing really came from, um, I, I had a, I, I did a movie, um, <laughs> uh, I did the, the Sony like 2015 remake of Annie. Um, yes, you did. You was, were fabulous in it. <laughs> you're so nice. She's the Russian social worker y'all in, yes. in the Annie remake. Thank you for, thank you for watching. <laughs> um, uh, that was actually a really fun project, but I, I, I came out of that and, um, it was such an unexpected, um, the, the, the film was panned, absolutely panned, but I, I was shocked and surprised to get some really, really good mentions and some reviews, which was completely, um, like came out of left field for me. And mm-hmm. so I was, uh, I was invited to take some meetings. Don't you love that phrase? Doesn't mm-hmm. it sound so fucking Hollywood? Take some meetings. <laughs> <laughs> I would punch someone if they said that to me in real life. Um, so I'm going to punch myself. <laughs> okay. Um, Only if you follow and- your brand. <laughs> yeah, right. Did you talk about but, your brand in those meetings uh, that you took? <laughs> God. I'm from Nebraska. Like the only brand I know is cattle. So <laughs> that's like as far as branding goes for me. But I did take these, I did take these meetings and, um, at one of them, I was quite literally asked, boy, talk about not ready for prime time, Stephanie. But I, um, I was asked, okay, so, um, do you have any, you know, do you have any ideas for shows? Like, I think it'd be great to, uh, you know, what, what kind of show would you build around yourself? And I mean, Allison, I was completely, I was literally like pulling shit out of the air. I was, <laughs> and I left that meeting And I was like, well, there was a huge wasted opportunity. I wish I had been prepared for that. But it did make me go, you know what? Uh, It is just not enough to be an actress anymore. Mm -hmm. It's um, I've I've got to be a a multi hyphenate creative. I've got to be thinking of ideas for myself. And and that kind of shoved me off the ledge. And I said, I looked around at a bunch of people that I knew that were kind of self-producing and all this stuff. I was like, wait, I can do this. I mean, I can't, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm nevertheless going to do it because, um, you know, I, I was in a, in a theatrical career for, um, most of my professional life. And finally at age, you know, 39 was like, I think I, I'd had two children in, two Broadway shows back to back, incredibly lucky to, you know, be performing and starting a family. But I was, I was ready to, um, when my last Broadway show closed to raise my, my children that Mm -hmm. I had had and, you know, somebody else had put them to bed every night. Um, and I was ready to be home and literally six months after I said, I'm done with theater, I booked, um, the Wolf of Wall Street. And that spun me off into a completely new career direction. Um, So I was coming into that game real late, like real late. So when I had these meetings that kind of made me go, oh, wait a minute, I I don't have time to be unsure of myself. 
and to, uh, I, I, you know, I'm already entering a, another visual medium, at, at, like going into my forties, mm-hmm. like step to it, Kurt Zuba. So, um, th- that was the, that was the motivation. Um, as far as the, the issues of anxiety around it, I mean, they were manifold. They were every, every step I took, I was unsure of myself and riddled with anxiety, but I was, I was more motivated by the idea of a, t- uh, a ticking clock. Right. Uh, it felt like a really small window. Uh, I was like, Oh, I need to, I don't have time to be scared. Um, or anxious. I need to just, uh, lean into my creativity and create. And I was very lucky that, um, I had and, and continue to have a few projects that, uh, to varying degrees have, you know, been developed and, um, produced and it, and it, by the way, it never seems to get easier. It, it, it feels a little bit like I am Sisyphus constantly rolling a boulder <laughs> up a hill. And sometimes it's not such a bad feeling. It makes me feel really alive. And then other times I'm like w- w- exhausted and just, I'm like, what am I doing? Right. Um, so I guess, you know, and I haven't reached a point yet. <laughs> I'm not making any promises <laughs> where the anxiety of it all has, um, has, has made me completely static. Although I've been on the verge of that. And I would say the pandemic really took some wind out of my sails that way. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about your two adorable children. Um, Oh, good. That's my favorite topic. Okay. (laughs) So Steph has two adorable children. Um, and I'm curious to know what having kids has taught you about yourself and about your relationship with anxiety. You're gonna you're trying to make me cry. Oh no. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> um it's funny, as I was uh, preparing to talk to you today, I was thinking very specifically about uh my relationship with anxiety and my work, and I just kept thinking the best uh, the best remedy for my anxiety as it relates to my career has been, um, having, becoming a mother, um, Mm. because it has re shift. It is is shifted and reprioritized for me, the, um, the stakes of my life Mm -hmm. as it were. Mm -hmm. Um, my career is still, uh, really, deeply important to me and, um, a really wonderful part of my identity. Um, but it is most definitely without question, a secondary identity for me now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that I'm, I just want to put out that I out there that I am aware of how lucky I am to be as fond of my children and of (laughs) the experience of parenthood as I am. Cause I know that is not the case for everybody. Right. Um, and I feel grateful for that because I, I know that it's, um, it's special and yeah. the, the blessing of that is not lost on me. Uh, mm-hmm. so let me just say that. Um, but the, uh, the stakes, uh, are, are so much lower in my career now as compared to, um, where I find my truest joy, which is my family. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, 
subsequently, as would follow, my anxiety around the career stuff, uh, while still, <laughs> you know, feels intense and unmanageable at times, uh, can, I, I am pretty good at that self-talk, that mirror mm-hmm. self-talk of being like, you know, if it all goes away tomorrow, you, you still got this. Right. And this is the thing that really makes you happy. I had a very really revealing sort of aha moment. Isn't that what Oprah calls them? It is what Oprah calls them. (laughs) Aha moment. Um, I was, this was in, I want to say like 2017, 2016, maybe 2016. Um, I had been flown to Los Angeles to, to uh, screen test um, for, uh, to play opposite um, a famous guy in a, in a sitcom. Um, I'm not mentioning which one it was because I didn't get the job and they will get no love from me. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Um, no, it was, um, it was such a revelatory experience for me because I, um, the pressure was incredibly high. Um, and the experience was incredibly intense. And, um, and I remember it was like three days of like jumping through hoops. Like if you, if you got to meet with this person, if you pass that, you'll be invited back to this studio. Okay. You pass that. Now the studio is going to, we'll let you know if you pass that. Yes, you pass that. Now you go to the final step and now you got to, and it was, um, so it was like day three of this intense process. Um, and I remember being in my hotel room and I was running the lines out loud and I could just feel my anxiety and my nerves were just, uh, like off the charts. Mm-hmm. And I remember trying to talk myself down. And in my head, I thought to myself, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? And I expecting myself to answer, you know, some, I don't know what, but I literally found myself answering out loud alone in a hotel room. I could get this job. Hmm. And, um, it was, I literally immediately burst into ter- tears and uh, <laughs> sounds a little dramatic, but I really did. I fell to my knees. Um, and hmm. I was just like sobbing. It was almost like this relief hmm. because in that moment, I, 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 the deepest truth came out for me, which is you could, the worst thing that could happen is you could get this job, which is going to take you away from your family and your children. You're going to make more money than you've ever made before and potentially, you know, work on a show that could be a hit, like who knows all of those unanswered questions. But the reality that the, the one known was that I was going to have to be very removed from my children for right. a significant amount of time Yeah, and my husband. And it, uh, it just like, it, it all crystallized in that moment for me of where yeah. my priorities were. Interesting. Yeah. That's amazing. That's, that's, it's amazing that you could have that, that clarity and that insight. Cause I, I think I, that a lot of people don't have that gift <laughs> a lot of the oh, time, you know? It was, it really, it really, it, it truly was a gift because it just, um, I think we often walk around thinking, I know what I want. I think I know what I want. I'm pretty sure I know what I want, but it's moments like that where it's just uh, your, your subconscious, you know what yeah. I mean? Just like it, yeah. it comes blaring out into the open and you're like, Oh, well, I can't ignore that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks subconscious. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. So yeah. I, I mean, I feel like it's safe to say that we're all struggling right now. Um, yeah. you know, times, 
quarantine, <laughs> pandemic, whatever. Yeah. Um, Never but, ending. But having said that, um, what advice would you have to someone struggling right now as an artist? The, the one thing that I have found, actually two things. One is rather uh, sort of silly, um, but deeply helpful. And the other one is uh, a little more serious. The two things that have helped me is I'll give you the easy one first, um, a physical movement. And, mm. uh, I, I, I don't subscribe to like, you have to work out every day. I'm, I'm not that person. Um, but what I have found is that, uh, quite simply the act of moving my body, mm-hmm. um, it lifts, lifts my mood and clears, um, some of the heaviness. It doesn't necessarily last forever, but I find that if I try to commit to anything, stretching, Mm -hmm. walking, moving, it is, um, a mood elevator for me. Um, so that's the easy one. Mm -hmm. Um, the harder one is this, and this is one that I have relied on, uh, multiple times finding, uh, a way to be of service. Hmm. Um, I find that, and the, and you can take that as, as, you know, as you will, uh, that can mean, uh, serving an organization or, you know, volunteering or something, or it can mean putting yourself into service to, um, a friend, a family member, whatever it may be. But I find that in moments of, uh, despair, or anxiety or whatever, taking the uh, focus off of myself mm-hmm. is a helpful thing because it gives me a sense of momentum right. um, and movement. And I think that... Um, and taking action on something that you can't, yeah, you know, when you can't take yeah. action for yourself, taking action for something else. Yeah. And if you can find something that you can be like, I, I like to use the term to be in service of something mm-hmm. because it's... Um, it also then takes you out of the, uh, which I think a lot of artists get caught in. And I see this in the, in the like class culture, um, the, like the artistic uh, classes that are offered and like, here's what to do, five things to do for your career today, or this is what you should. I think, um, not that there's anything wrong with that stuff. I just think when you're already anxious and you already feel a sense of stasis, mm-hmm. um, focusing on sending out, you know, email blasts. About, right. <laughs> it just, uh, to me, you're, you're still in service of something that is yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, yep. um, and I think that doesn't do anything to calm anxiety. If anything, I think it can ramp it up. So I say in service of something outside of yourself, um, another person, another organization, another, uh, movement. Steph. Thank you for being here today and sharing and speaking your truth. I appreciate it's, it. And it's sharing my your, pleasure. your vulnerability. Thank you, for, thank you for, for doing this work. I think it's really important. I think it's really special. I'm not even remotely surprised that you, my friend, are doing it. You have always, um, I've always been attracted to your, your sense of care. And um, I just find you to be so intelligent, so, um, generous. And I appreciate you having me on your podcast. Well, now you're going to make me cry. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks to my guest, Stephanie Kurtzuba. For more information on the resources we discussed, head on over to our website, anxietyandtheartist.com. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend. Until next time, be healthy and stay creative. Anxiety and the Artist is produced by Groster Productions and recorded at Homestead Studios. Sound editing and engineering is by Bosco Chef. Our marketing guru is Ben Nissen. Our theme song was composed by Bosco Chef. <laughs>